Hi, this is Peter Schwartz, public address announcer for the Cosmos, and you're listening to the First Team Podcast. On this week's episode, I will review Puerto Rico FC versus the New York Cosmos, which ended in a nil-nil draw, break down the other results from around the NESL, look ahead to week two, and lastly, Omar from Magic City Soccer will join the show to preview Miami FC's clash this weekend against our New York Cosmos at MCU Park. So let's first talk about the match in Puerto Rico, which ended in a nil-nil draw. The Cosmos went with a 4-2-3-1. Jimmy Maurer in goal. Ryan Richter, Barnes, Mendez, Ayose, and the two holding midfielders. Danny Satella, Juan Guerra on the wing. Herrera in the attacking midfielder role. Mancini, Flores on the right wing. And Amari up front. The formation and the starting 11 is okay for the first matchup. All Cosmos supporters have to understand is that we're not going to be the top team that we were over the past couple of years, maybe in this spring season. We're going to have to gel together over time. We saw that this past Saturday. We had some chances, but we couldn't capitalize. We didn't have great chances, but the one chance we had, Amari set Flores up, and Flores' shot went wide. Puerto Rico FC, on the other hand, they had some great chances. Yuma... Hit a great ball, a great strike, and that went wide. Tons of chances Puerto Rico had. They could have had two, three goals. Another flaw I feel in the Cosmos starting 11 in Puerto Rico was that they weren't providing Amari with enough service. Because Amari strikes me as the striker that needs those crosses, that needs those great through balls. He's not going to work too hard to create chances. He needs the ball on his foot, and he didn't have that. The team wasn't creating enough chances. So the changes I would make to the starting 11 against Miami FC would be Barnes out for David Ochang if he's back from his international duty. So it would be Maurer, Richter, Ochang, Mendez, Ayose. I would keep Danny Satella, Juan Guerrero in the holding midfielder role. I would take Herrera out. Herrera has to come out. He picked up a knock. I don't know if that's going to be a long-term injury or not, but I would take him out for the upcoming match against Miami FC. I would put Restrepo because I think Restrepo is that game-changer. And we saw that in 2015, in the final. Throughout that season, he was changing every single game, and that's what we need. So I would put Restrepo instead of Herrera. If Amari would have had a great cross into the box, he could have got his head onto it. 
if he would have had a great through ball, he could have put the ball in the back of the net. So it's creating chances for that powerful striker. It's sort of like Everton with Lukaku. You need to give him the ball. You need to create chances for your quality striker, for your world-class striker. I think over time, we are going to see Amari get into the game, but we need to create that opportunities for him. And Restrepo is going to do that. I'm not so confident against Miami FC. Miami FC, they played their first match in the NESL against North Carolina FC, which finished 1-1. But this is going to be a big test for the Cosmos. Playing Puerto Rico, a side that had only 11 new players. That's a lot of players to have in your squad. And they played pretty well, created chances, could have scored two or three goals. But I think we were lucky to get out of Puerto Rico with a point. We're playing Miami FC at home, home opener, April 1st. People are buying their tickets, buying their season tickets, buying merchandise. Now the kits, the online shop is live on their site. So there's a lot of excitement. There's this buzz building around the club. And I think results are going to follow. Last season, the team wasn't great on the road. I don't think we can judge week one in Puerto Rico. We have to play Miami FC on Saturday. Then the following week, we play Miami FC in Miami at FIU Stadium. So we're going to have a very tough next couple of weeks. The Cosmos are going to be prepared to face Nesta's team, which is going to be very exciting. So let's hear from Omar from Magic City Soccer. And then after we hear from Omar, I'm going to give you my thoughts on the match. I'm joined with Omar from Magic City Soccer. How are you today, Omar? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Doing really good. So let's talk about Miami FC ahead of the clash against the New York Cosmos. Uh, the first match of the season ended in a 1-1 draw against North Carolina FC. I was watching that match, and Poku got the equalizing goal. You guys looked rusty in the back. Um, can you sort of walk us through your first matchup? Yeah, actually, uh, so at our watch party, we noticed, uh, especially when starting 11 was announced, that our back four wasn't the back four we were expecting uh, to be in play. It seems like a few of the guys had picked up knocks along the back, notably uh, Michelle, our acquisition from Ryo KC last season. Uh, he wasn't in the starting 11. Blake Smith, who a lot of us expect to be maybe the starting left back, also not in the 11. And Reb Bernstein, our, you know, our kind of linked partner with Mason Trafford in the middle, he wasn't in the starting 11 either. So all of a sudden we started looking at our back four and, and yeah, they were guilty really of that first goal uh, for North yeah. Carolina. And yeah, they just weren't there. And that's really more the rustiness. I would say was just a lack of chemistry along the, you know, with the guys on the back line. Yeah. And the Cosmos have that problem as well. We played on a really, really bad pitch in Puerto Rico. So for Cosmos supporters, what players should we watch out for? Uh, I think, I really, you know, it's really easy to say, you know, always, yeah, you should watch out for Poku, right? Like, Poku might be the number one threat in almost any game Miami FC plays. I think uh, a big issue is going to be depending who is the striker for Miami FC and who they line up. We have four capable guys, you know, uh, that that could soon up as a number nine in any given day. Um, and I think the big thing for us is, is, I think the big thing for you guys to watch out for more than Poku is, uh, Stefano Pino. Pino scored a goal roughly every game in our preseason campaign, and I think that's the number one guy. It's really easy to say, 
hey, watch out for Poku because you know what he's going to bring in day in and day out, and you know what you have to expect when you play against a player of that caliber. Um, but really, Pino is going to be the guy to watch out for because if your back line kind of loses him for any little bit of time, he's going to take advantage of it, and he might be able to slot one in uh, behind Mar. Yeah, and Poku, he hurt us over the years. I remember when we played NYCFC in, in the Open Cup, I think he scored a goal, and then they took him out. And after that, they were not as dangerous anymore. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things. I think a lot of a lot of uh, different guys who cover the league and a lot of us who, who are really fans of the NASL, we'll look at some of the players on, you know, individual rosters and we'll say to them, this guy, is he really you know, playing in the NASL, like, you know, he's definitely top flight quality. Um, and, and it's interesting because, you know, listen, we're happy to have him. Like, as long as he wants to stay with us, we're going to be more than happy to embrace him. But we know that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when uh, he gets a shot again, you know, in MLS. Because uh, he's definitely, you know, probably one of the top five, top ten players in the NASL at the moment. Yeah, and he started in the NASL as well with the Silverbacks, too. So right. Do you think he will move up to MLS or do you think he's enjoying his time? Because sort of my take on the outside looking in is that Ricardo Silva, Nesta, they're very ambitious people, right? So wouldn't he want to be a part of a quality club? Yeah, I I think it's going to definitely be, you know, for him, I think it might be an an issue of which club at MLS is going to send me a contract. And, And of course, money talks at the end of the day, right? So how yeah. much is that contract worth? Um, you know, he is an international slot, so MLS teams do have to, you know, kind of work around their rosters to make sure they're not signing more than they're capable of in terms of international roster slots. But at the same time, you know, is he, would he go to Real Salt Lake? Probably not. Would he go over to a team like the Earthquakes? Eh, probably not. So it would have to be a bigger market. It would have to be, you know, at, at, a, at a competitive salary um, for him to make the move. But you know, it's one of those things where, again, I, I think it's a matter of, of, of if, not one. I'm sorry, it's a matter of one, not if. Because, uh, you know, here at Magic City Soccer, we talk a lot about our goalkeeper. We say a lot of the time, the only thing stopping him from being a top-flight goalkeeper at MLS is the fact of his age and the fact that, you know, he's an Argentinian national, meaning, you know, MLS was going to have to use one of those international slots in order for him to be on one of their rosters. And we've noticed MLS teams don't really like getting goalkeepers that have to use an international slot. They'd rather have guys with green cards that can be considered domestic or guys that are American, uh, you know, basically for lack of better words. Yeah, and I read um, somewhere that your stadium, FIU Stadium, they're renovating the field. Is that correct? Uh, the field has been renovated. It seems like new turf has been laid down. It looks like a new scoreboard uh, will be in place So you guys We'll probably get better images uh, not yeah, next weekend because we face you guys again next weekend, one of those rare home-and-home home, uh, face-offs. So yeah. you guys will get some photos, get to see the field firsthand. So you'll definitely get some reaction from the players. Um, everything in terms of image-wise looks good for FIU Stadium. And I know you guys uh, are actually at a new stadium too, right? You guys are playing in Brooklyn all of a sudden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is you Park, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, it's a baseball stadium, but we're putting over the turf like Radio OKC did last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we bought the turf from them as well, so it's going to be the actually, same thing. We made, a, we made a joke about that uh, actually on a podcast we recorded last night, and we were saying we're not sure if you guys, you know, got a loan agreement for the turf. If you guys had a, you know, you bought it outright, or you had one of those 
loans with future considerations to buy kind of like a player. So yeah. we, we had a little bit of fun at your expense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen, everything I've read about your new stadium and, and the move and how your supporters feel about it, it, it must be awesome. It must be awesome to be able to just take a subway really to the end of the line and then just get off in Coney Island, if I'm not mistaken. And, and yeah. it should be a better off stadium, better concessions, better food, better – I, I don't want to say atmosphere or environment because I can't really comment on, you know, Long Island and, and how it was in that area. But, mm-hmm. you know, what do you think? Do you guys, I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about it previously, but I kind of also want your insight. Like, you know, how do you feel about that move? And, and, and is MCU Park going to be, you know, a permanent home down the road for you guys, do you think? Not permanent. I just think it's a new life for the team. So it's more of a professional environment because, See, like, you're used to the college stadium, right? Like, where we were at Hofstra. But in the New York market, Hofstra and Long Island is so far out, and you have to drive there. So there's no transportation to get there. But now, with MCU Park, you could take a subway, you could take a bus. Like, it's just more connected, and there's more walk-up crowd. Before, no one cared about the Cosmos. A lot of fans have been there since the reboot, and they fell in love with the team. But no one really cared about the team, so we could win championship after championship, and no one cared. No media outlet was covering the team, but now everyone wants to be a part of um, history, really, on April 1st. That's awesome for you guys, man. I'm excited for you guys. While the game and while the whistle is in play, and and you know, and we're kicking the ball around, for those 90 minutes, yes, you know, we, we want Miami FC to dominate every team across the country. But yeah. at the same time, what we also want is we want to make sure that I think across the board, and many of the different podcasting contributors will say the same thing, we want attendance across the board to be high. So we're hoping, you know, for your guys' sake and for the sake of, you know, not only San Francisco, but Indy and, and every other club, we want to see attendance high because I think one of the big things that we worry about down here is that if the USL ends up having bigger at- average attendance numbers than we do, it's going to be hard for us to fight that battle down the road. Um, so, you know, I hope you guys have a strong season. I, I really hope you guys have a strong season at the gate. And like you said, I really hope those walk-ups help because if you guys, I think you guys have the team and the potential to average eight, 9,000 people a night. So that, that'd be something I look forward to. And talking about attendance, uh, what is the feeling in Miami regarding Miami FC? Uh, you know, it's strong. Um, we still always constantly fight the battle of the walk-up people saying, oh, this is Beckham's team, right? And you're just like, no, this isn't Beckham's team. This is, you know, NFL Division Two, Miami FC, completely different entities. Um, but at the same time, I think we're going to see strong numbers. Miami FC seems to be going away from uh, some of the giveaways. They're going to be having theme nights every night. Uh, of the season so there will be a lot of promotional items a lot of uh interest in terms of coming to games getting a free shirt getting you know some bobbleheads things like that uh you have to entice people in miami to come to your games as we've noticed uh if you've seen any of our other professional sports clubs um but i think attendance should be strong i'm hoping to see eight or nine thousand at the opener i know miami fc has opened up some premium seating with regards to you know all you can eat all you can drink uh alcoholic beverages included uh, they've included, you know, a really substantial ticket package where $199 gets you, a, you know, a season ticket for all 16 matches wow. and also a home jersey. So, you know, $199, a jersey alone is going to cost you 80 bucks. So for 120 bucks, you can attend every game. It's an affordable ticket. And for not having soccer in South Florida now with the strikers, you know, kind of being on hiatus, it's really your only option. Um, there are some Division Four, Division Five sides to see as well, and 
and there's strong draws as well. So we're hoping to capitalize, you know, on the lack of the strikers and on the same time, you know, the growing interest in soccer that we see year in and year out here in South Florida. I don't know if you get this channel in Miami, but it's 11 sports. It used to be One World Sports, and they show every or a match of the week for the NASL. The league hasn't announced this, so I don't know what's going mm-hmm. on there. This past weekend, they showed Miami FC in North Carolina, and uh, Bruce Silverman was on the call. And every couple of minutes, he kept promoting tickets every second. And like you just brought up, VIP seats, he kept selling that. If I was in Miami, that would be really cool to pick up, right? I think it was like unlimited beer and wine and things like that. Right, yeah. I mean, all of our professional sports teams, you know, going from the Marlins uh, in Major League Baseball to the Panthers in the NHL level, they all have in their stadium a section where it's all you can eat, all you can drink, ultra-inclusive. Um, you know, yes, those tickets fund you significantly more than your standard seat, but at the same time, it's about the atmosphere and about the party because Miami has that club life, that party life feel. And like I've mentioned, you know, every, even the Miami Heat and the Miami Dolphins have those kinds of packages included with them. So Miami FC is seeing that these things work. Uh, these people will show up, have unlimited beer, unlimited food, willing to pay that extra money to get those amenities. Uh, and Miami FC is riding that gravy train as well and hoping it, it, it capitalizes in their favor. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't blame them. Um, I think our ticket sales in terms of general admission and, and you know, reserve seating are pretty strong. I, I don't have any numbers, so I couldn't tell you that's just a guesstimate. Um, but it makes sense to push those VIP packages because you'll have people come out and have a good time. And even if people say, whoa, you know, let's say the number, I, I don't have the number, so I don't want to speculate, but... Mm-hmm. You know, even if the price is more expensive, if somebody had a good time that one game, there's a very good chance that maybe they'll come back the second game and either sit in reserve or GA or, and you know, maybe down the road come back to a VIP package. So I think it's a win-win across the board. The supporters group for uh, MLS Miami, they keep tweeting, oh, uh, and (laughs) they keep tweeting updates, right? And I sort of keep tweeting at them, go support Miami FC. You know what I mean? How can you sit there and just like dream for an MLS team? How can you sit there and just, oh, can't wait for Beckham, can't wait for Beckham, but Beckham doesn't care about you, right? Oh, what? man, if you only knew the half of it. <laughs> yeah, can if you, you give us some insight about why aren't they supporting Miami FC? I, I think a lot of it has to do with the same struggles that the Cosmos face in, in your media market. You know, you do have NYCFC and you do also have the Red Bulls and and you'll have fans that will look at Division Two and say, ah, you know, it's Division Two. You know, I think a lot of it is the stigma of minor league sports, quote unquote, and that if you're not Division One, you're a minor league. Yeah. So I think you see a lot of that uh, with Southern Legion, uh, which is the Miami MLS supporters group, um, and, and you kind of get that just that notion from them that they don't want to. Their their purpose is MLS Miami. And until MLS Miami's bid is officially off the market, they're not willing to waver from it. And, you know, if that's what they want to do, that's fine. Um, you know, we're never going to sit here and say, oh, too late, guys, you can't join us now. No, absolutely not. We'd never do that. Um, you know, but they have their ambitions. They have, you know, what they want to be. And, and you know, you, you can't really fault them for it. It'd be nice if there were more support behind Miami FC. You know, again, it is Miami's only professional soccer team at the moment. I really saw Florida's only professional soccer team at the moment. So, you know, it'd be nice, but if that's their opinions and that's their choice, you know, they're allowed to do what they want to do.
Yeah, but I'm looking at this from the outside, looking in, and I just can't understand why you don't support your local team, right? No, no, I completely understand the yeah. part. Believe me, I completely understand the part. <laughs> I've had I've had many arguments uh, with their leadership, um, you know, about that same notion that you know, guys, listen, come on, like I understand that you know the the end goal for you guys is Beckham. I understand the end goal for you guys is get an MLS squad you know, with natural rivalries versus Orlando and Atlanta. Like, I totally get it. But at the same time, if you're not willing to grow what is here now, how can you prove to somebody down the road that you're going to support them 100%? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's really my question to them all the time. If you're not willing to grow and support organically what is currently in existence, how can you tell somebody that you're going to unwillingly, without a doubt, you know, grow and support their organization? And And, you know... That question is always met with, well, you know, we're going to be there no matter what and this and that, you know, and, and there's not much you can do. You kind of hope you can come out, you continue offering the olive branch saying, hey, guys, come on out. Make sure, you know, you, you come and check out a game or two. Um, but, you know, all you can do is ask. If they choose to not want to and, and wait for the Beckham train, that I personally don't believe is ever going to arrive, um, you know, you can't do much. So if it doesn't come, then hopefully they do one day uh, step into FIU Stadium and watch a match. But uh, there are some members of MLS to Miami that probably have attended Miami FC and maybe are part of D-Brigade as well. Yeah, there's a lot of carryover. There is a lot of carryover. A lot of D-Brigade were either current or former you know, Southern Legion Miami members. And, and there is no animosity between the two groups. There is no disharmony between the two groups. It's just a matter of, the outline you have people who are not willing to wait anymore and they want to enjoy soccer and they want to enjoy professional soccer and, and a, in my opinion a decent quality of soccer and you have people who are willing to you know hold out in terms of you know it has to be MLS or nothing so that's kind of where you saw day brigade uh created and and growth because if southern legion was not going to capitalize uh on miami fc upon its inception you know, clearly Day Brigade was made uh, in order to support Miami FC when Southern Legion chose not to. So, Omar, what's your score prediction for the match? Oh, man, you guys, I was looking at your roster yesterday and I, and I was saying to my co-host, that I, I don't really see any, uh, don't take this the wrong way, but there's a lot of new names on your roster. And you guys suffered, you know, a lot of setbacks, in my opinion, with regards to the offseason, especially mm-hmm. with the instability of the league. Um I'm going to be a homer. I'm going to say it's going to be 2-1. It's going to be a close game. Uh, Vincenzo Ranella will give us the three points on, on a very late, late goal. Um, but, you know, you guys had our number last season, so I think it's time for us to get your numbers this season. Yeah, and I'm not that confident going into this match either um, because we lost a, or we didn't lose, but it sort of felt like a loss. If you're a Cosmo supporter, going to Puerto Rico and picking up a point, yeah, I'm not so confident going into the Miami match at home. We'll see. It's a new turf. It's a new stadium for you guys. I know you guys are definitely going to have some fire, especially you want to open up the place with the win. So we're hoping maybe we can spoil the party a little bit for you guys. Thanks, Omar, for coming on the show. Not a problem, guys. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Omar for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Before we talk about week two matches, let's just briefly review week one. North Carolina FC and Miami FC finished 1-1. Puerto Rico Cosmos finished 0-0. And the first match at Kaiser Stadium for San Francisco against Indy 11 finished 1-1. What a very exciting first week of the NASL season. 
Every match finished in a draw. Very competitive action. And some great crowds on hand as well. And this is something that we're going to watch out for throughout the NASL season. How are the attendances at Cosmos matches throughout the league as well? North Carolina versus Miami, their attendance was 6,058. Puerto Rico against Cosmos was 5,692. And San Francisco Deltas versus Indy 11, their attendance was 4,133. So let's move on and talk about Week 2 action. Cosmos, Miami FC, my thoughts. We heard Omar's thoughts about the match from a Miami FC supporter's point of view. And I think it's going to be a very tough matchup. Miami FC is a team to be reckoned with. They're a very dangerous team. And I think I said last week that I'm worried that they're going to get on our level because of how ambitious they are as a club. But we'll have that conversation another day. But let's talk about on the pitch. They're a very dangerous team and a very exciting team to watch at times. Poku is the player to watch out for. I gave you my predicted starting 11 earlier in the show. But I think this match is going to be another draw. I feel goals are going to come. This match is going to end in a 1-1 draw. I think we need to be great in the back. That's why I will put Oching, if I could, if he's back. Keep Juan Guerra, keep Danny Satella in the holding midfielder role. But against Puerto Rico, they were attacking. They weren't sitting back waiting to defend. They were attacking. They were high up on the pitch. So I don't know if I was the manager, I don't think I would give them that orders because Miami FC could break on the counterattack and now you just have sort of the back four to get exposed. But you can have Juan Guerra and Danny Satella there to protect the back four, to not expose them at times. So I think it's going to end in a 1-1 draw. It's going to be a very exciting match. We have tons of storylines going into the match. Our first match under the Rocco era playing at MCU Park. It should be a great crowd on hand, maybe a sellout. I haven't been told that, but that's what I'm looking forward to. There's going to be tons of new merch for sale there. There's going to be a great atmosphere, so you can stay connected on Twitter to see what's going on at the stadium. But let's move on and talk about the other matches in Week 2 in the North American Soccer League. We have Indy 11 versus Puerto Rico FC at Michael A. Carroll Stadium. That should be a very interesting match. And a player that you should watch out for in this fixture is Walter Ramirez from Puerto Rico. Against the Cosmos, he was going up and down that wing running his lights out. He was going so fast and providing those crosses into the box. And that's who the Cosmos should have got because he's that type of player that would provide that service for Amari. So that's a player to watch out for in that match for Puerto Rico. But then again, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Andy 11, very strong team. This match will end in a 1-1 draw. And the final matchup, which is on Sunday, we have Jacksonville Armada versus FC Edmonton. At their new home, Hodges Stadium. Another home opener. There's going to be three home openers in week two. We have Michael A. Carroll Stadium, MCU Park, and Hodges Stadium in Jacksonville. Jacksonville league-owned, limited budget. Does the community care about the team? Do they get the recognition they deserve? These are some questions that we should watch out for during the 2017 NASL season. They're playing FC Edmonton. On a Sunday, I don't know if they will draw well. Hopefully they do. Hopefully their numbers are up. They're playing in a soccer stadium. 
rather than a baseball stadium. So that should be a plus. In Hodges Stadium, the seats are only on one side of the field. FC Edmonton, Jacksonville, Armada, they haven't played in the first match day, so they have a game in hand. They had their bye in week one, which is not a good thing. You look forward to the season. You can't wait. And everyone hypes March 25th, March 25th, the season is going to start. But for these two clubs, FC Edmonton and Jacksonville Armada, their season starts this Saturday, April 1st. I don't know what to expect from these teams in the first match of the season. I'm going to go with a nil-nil draw. I think Jacksonville at the end of last season, they were playing pretty well. But FC Edmonton, they were in the championship semifinal. They got knocked out by Indy 11. So I think FC Edmonton is the stronger side. But I just can't see them beating Jacksonville on the first match day or on their first match day of the season. So that's going to round out our previews for week two in the NASL. Let's just briefly talk about something that Taylor Twellman said on Twitter. He tweeted this out that Severese was interviewed by Real Salt Lake for the head coaching job. And this is what bothers me about sort of mainstream media or soccer media, MLS media is that they don't understand that Giovanni Savarese is committed to a project. This man is devoting his professional coaching career to the New York Cosmos. He's successful, but he understands that the club is much bigger than everyone else. He understands that this brand, this name, resonates with a lot of people around the world. And when you talk to him or you hear him talk, especially at the press conference, He said when he was in Bermuda, this lady walked up to him and was talking to him about the cosmos. And at the press conference, he said, once you were in the club, you understand the real meaning. So there is something that he's building. He's building something bigger than an MLS club. He's building something bigger than any other club in North America. And once the mainstream media understands that, they're going to stop talking about Gio, and they're going to stop linking him to all these jobs. Is it true that Giovanni Savarese was interviewed for the Real Salt Lake job when Rocco took over, and now there's a clear vision of how to be successful? So Taylor Twelman, that is not true. That's fake news. And go back and talk about MLS and talk about whatever you want to talk about, but something that you care about. I care about the New York Cosmos. I love the club so much. And I want to see them be successful. He's the guy to lead us to be successful. And you hear every single day, Gio is the guy that brought me to the club. Some players say, I came to the club because of the family feel. Or I returned to the Cosmos because it feels like I'm home. That's because of Gio. Gio is making that atmosphere. He's making the club feel like home to most players from Spain or from Italy. He's making the Cosmos training facility and the training grounds and just the feel of working every single day, going to training, playing a match. It feels like they're around family. And that's something special. And the New York Cosmos are a special club. And I wish mainstream media will talk about the Cosmos in a more positive way. We'll stop hating on what we're trying to do and just look at all the storylines, look at everything that's going on. All the positive things. We're moving to MCU Park. We're playing the first match on Saturday, April 1st, in Coney Island, Brooklyn. 
We're going to be on live TV. We have a regional TV deal. Pix11, MSG. We're on national TV, being sports. Why can't they understand that? Why can't they understand that Geo is very important to the New York Cosmos? And a lot of MLS people would say, John, you're crazy. But I can't think of any other person that could manage the New York Cosmos. And two, I don't want to think about someone that would replace Giovanni Severese. He's a guy that once we build a stadium, he deserves a statue outside of that stadium. But on the other hand, we have to understand as Cosmo supporters that Gio is the best manager in North America. And one day, one day, Gio is going to get an offer that he can't refuse. I don't know if that might be MLS. Shet Messing said one day he might manage or he's good enough to manage the U.S. men's national team. Maybe he might go to Europe. I don't know what's his end goal in his professional managing career. One day, Gio will move on, and we have to move on as well as a club and as supporters. And then at that time, we will have a discussion. We will have a chat of who will take over the New York Cosmos, who will lead us to success. But for now, in Gio we trust, and he's the guy that I trust and I believe will guide the team, hopefully, to a U.S. Open Cup victory. This sums up Giovanni Savarese as a whole. When he was little, he went to a camp. And guess who was there? Pelé. And what is he doing now? Managing the New York Cosmos. And who did he meet? Pelé. Young Gio met Pelé. And old Gio met Pelé. But now, there's a reason of why he met him. He's managing the New York Cosmos. And with that, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this week's show. I really appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter and on Facebook at First Team Pod. Check out our website, firstteampod.com. We will have a big announcement tomorrow. Hopefully you guys enjoy the announcement. So stay connected on our social media platforms. If you are going to the match on Saturday, dress warm. We're near the ocean now. We weren't near the beach at Hofstra. So dress warm. Maybe bring a hot chocolate. It's supposed to rain. I'm not really sure if it's going to rain at game time, but... It's supposed to rain on Saturday. So dress warm, dress proper uh, for the conditions out there at MCU Park. And enjoy the first match at MCU Park. It's going to be a very historic night, a fun night. And hopefully the Cosmos can uh, make the day even better with three points. So thank you everyone once again for tuning in. And as always, let's go New York Cosmos. Yeah, just want to give a shout out to the five points. Bird boys of Benadel Cosmos and the Cross Island yeah. crew. Uh, yeah, it's New York Street and White. What we believe you see in fight. Indeed, it seems to be achieving. See, we do and did it right. Cosmo country loving, we above them. I'm just saying. All those lovely songs come and see it and I'm playing. The fact of this rap from Tia Tax, Hash and Bliss. Reacts tap we win. So fast, racking them in. Whether it's stack the wing, going back to the through the mid, cutting the seams. It seems we see anything to be. We got a ball and a dream. Got a ball and a dream. We do. I'm new, it's true. Fancy crew. Down for you, no doubt they do. Surrounding you about the views. Like Without the cues allowed to you without the dudes Around my crews, I'll track the past, no excuse Each session a lesson, it's not about perfection The work's the test and F's connected like a method Not breathless out the training, something's gotta be corrected Rushing and acceleration at the start's the most suggested Infected with greatness, potential is spacious Out the world, just face it, the work becomes contagious Some may say we made it, but now we've just begun Sorry if you hate it, because I can tell you that I'm far from done